On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, Part 2, I continue my conversation with Cindy Ardledge, best-selling author and family legacy planner. Now, there are three types of families, and only one does the things to make sure their family is prepared for the unexpected and ensures there is generational wealth to be passed on to future generations without the family falling apart. More on how to create a legacy your children will want to copy on this episode of the Executor Help Podcast. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. Welcome back to this uh, part two of our conversation that I'm having with Cindy Arledge. She's the CEO of North Texas Family Enterprise Center. And she's a visionary, as I said before, who wants to see that legacy planning can become a recognized industry. Cindy, welcome back. In our last episode, we were talking about legacy planning, what it is, um, what you, why you need to do it. And one of the biggest things was procrastination. At the end of our, the episode, you talked about a 100-year-old man who, um, you know, lucky him, got uh, two wives out of his, his lifetime, and both families fought over his wealth. What is one of the things you need to do? Because it sounds like there was some procrastination. He didn't do certain things, and he ended up having a family that was bitten with the curse of inheritance. Before you give me your answer, oh, I'm rambling on again. Before I give you, the, you give me your answer, what is the curse of inheritance? Well, the curse of inheritance is, I call it, an ugly monster of jealousy, fear, and selfishness that crushes families, eats money, and destroys lives. And the curse of inheritance is born in an environment of loss and grief by unprepared heirs who feel entitled to unearned wealth and forget to see each other as human beings. And what I've discovered in the story that his name was Buddy displays is that the curse can be born while we're still alive. That's what happened to his granddaughter when she tried to, well, she didn't try. She put him in the, you know, the hospital and tried to have him declared incompetence because she was engulfed by this curse of a, this curse monster. It's, it's funny when you were saying all of those things, and if you heard the, the, the story in the last the, uh, previous episode, it's, it was like a checkbox. It was all of those things, unearned wealth, the sense of entitlement, check, 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 check. I can personally, when it came to uh, my personal situation, that's exactly how the other party decided that they wanted to, you know, have uh, have my parents' estate settled to, to be caught in that curse of inheritance. So when it comes to the curse of inheritance, is that one of the reasons, oh, I guess Buddy wouldn't have seen his granddaughter would have done that to him. Is that is that one of the big reasons that there's procrastination, that people are afraid or they have no idea how their siblings or their heirs are going to behave? It is. And so one of the things that I did is try to figure out where I, I people need to know where they stand. Like, where am I? So I really dug deep into different conditions that lead to the release of the curse monster. And created this risk audit, just simple questions that people can ask themselves. And in doing so, I realized that there's really three different levels of legacy planning that have to do with how well you're going to prepare to die. And it's that simple. So Buddy had a great estate plan, right? 
but he didn't, he wasn't comfortable talking about death and he wasn't comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations. So he would be what somebody I consider, he's an acceptor. He's in the middle of the pyramid. So let's just start at the bottom. The bottom of the pyramid is an avoider. Avoider won't talk about death. They don't have a will. They don't have an estate plan. They want to pretend that they're not going to die. So that's the majority of Canadians and Americans. <laughs> yes. And, and, and they just, they're just avoiders. They're just avoiding the topic of death and they leave lost families. I have a, a woman that I w- took her through the risk audit. She did not have a will. She did not have an estate plan. She had a five-year-old daughter. Her job was to go get one. I followed up with her a couple you know, months later because I'm not an attorney. I don't give financial advice. And um, the sad truth is her husband had caught COVID and passed away. And she didn't have a will. And her in-laws took her to court trying to take custody of her daughter. And so they were engulfed by the they were engulfed by the curse monster. And this all could have been avoided if she had just gotten her estate plan in order. Right. And people don't want to believe what other people are capable of. And so the, we live in a legal world. We live in a legal arena. And without a will or an estate plan, you do not have any rights to in this arena that we find ourselves in. So that's at the bottom of the pyramid, the avoidance. Yes. And you say Buddy was in a, the next level, which was a... Acceptor. So he had accepted that he needed a legal plan. He had done that, but he didn't have the, the, the top level, which is the anticipator. And I consider myself an anticipator. And before you, before you get to anticipator, tell me a little bit more about the, the, the level... Acceptor. The acceptor. Yeah. What, what, what were some of the characteristics? A family that you know of, well, we're talking about Buddy... But what, what, are their, what are the characteristics of being an acceptor? Well, and I, I can show you, my mom and dad were acceptors. They, they did everything that they knew to do based on traditional estate planning available to them. They had their will. They had met with their CPA. Um, dad knew we had problems. He, he knew that I was going to have problems. I was the executor of a co-executor of his estate. And because he had made some decisions about what he thought was fair in his estate, he actually wrote two of my brothers out of his will. But my mother, as an Alzheimer's patient, had left them in there. And so they, they still inherited millions of dollars, right? But dad knew that his choices would affect me as co-executor and tried to prepare me. But I didn't understand the significance of what he was saying. But an anticipator is is the level that the families that I studied that are able to keep a hundred year wealth and longer for their family, they've taken estate planning to a whole nother level in anticipation of how will the wealth affect our family after we're gone? How how do our children see their inherited, right? They actually have these conversations and prepare in advance. So our goal as professionals is to help people become anticipators. And that's what legacy planning is all about. So what would you say is the best way to share the wealth in your family so that you don't create those, you don't create an air of curse of inheritance? Well, the first thing that we need to do as founders, let's just, we're talking about the founders in the previous, you know, podcast about being someone baby boomer and above and, and have enough wealth to share. You just have to make sure that you have yourself covered first, right? Make sure that you have enough wealth 
to fund your desired lifestyle to the end of your life. And so I like families to have a checkup with their wealth advisor before they even think about sharing wealth with their family. Make sure that you have enough first and talk to the professionals. Um, One of the steps that we do as legacy planners is we have families create what we call a board of directors. We have them create a team with their attorney, their CPA, their wealth advisor, and their legacy planner. And the team approach is so critical because in answer to your question, the best way to share wealth with your family is to invest in their development while you're alive. And when I say that, um, one of the first investments that we invite families to do is to invest in prevention because it's better to prevent a loss than it is to recover from one. Would you agree? Absolutely. But I would come back to you. Um, when I was doing the research for my book, I have a, a mediator in the book, uh, Charles B. Ticker, wrote the book, uh, Bobby Gets Bupkis. He was telling me that when it comes to, you know, what you're saying is to, you know, help, you know, show the, the beneficiaries and inheritors what you're doing and, and getting involved in that conversation. The fight already starts while you're still alive. The parents are still alive. And that's become a, a commonplace now that even while the the, the parents are alive, the children are fighting over the money because they know what's coming to them. You might have all good intentions say, you know what, this is what I want to do, but there might be undue pressure from the kids. I want my need my money now, or why, why do you need to take that vacation to Europe? Why are you, uh, all of those things there, because they're only thinking about themselves. Why do you need to see, stay in such an expensive um, retirement residence? Those sort of things. And that's going to bring undue pressure to the family. So, you know, if we're looking to share the wealth and and you want to have, you know, um, make sure that you don't run out of money, could the kids place guilt on you for you living your life? Well, so here's the interesting thing about what you just said. The the second level in the the book that you mentioned. Right. I would say that those inheritors obviously don't have a belief in themselves that they can create their own wealth. Because if you have to fight over someone else's wealth, That is the entitlement issue. And so as a legacy planner, we would be making investments in that family so that the second generation didn't even need mom and dad's money. They were confident enough in themselves and had the skills and gifts and talents to use them to create their own wealth that they were excited for mom and dad to be able to live in the big house, take the big vacation because their, their, their wealth isn't dependent on anybody else. That's true financial freedom. But there's still others. Again, I, I'm going to always come in the devil advocates area is that there's, there's just, there's a sense of entitlement. I guess it's, is the curse of inheritance that there's a sense of entitlement this is what's coming to me. This is what's owed to me. Mom and dad, I don't think you need to be away so long. I don't think you need to have that condo. It, it, there's going to be that friction. And, and I, you are absolutely right, David. I didn't say that legacy planning was necessarily <laughs> friction-free. And here's the, interesting, here's the interesting thing about legacy planning. You get to find out while you're alive. And the person that's entitled, and I experienced it in my own family, one of my brothers asked my mom and dad, for his inheritance when they were in their early 60s, said he needed it more than they did. He was the one that my dad wrote out of his will because you can never give that person enough wealth. You just, you can't ever give them enough. 
And so it's not a money issue. It's a lack of self-esteem. It's a lack of belief in themselves and a lack of their own confidence. That's the real issue. And so it's actually a gift to discover that while you're alive so that you can address it either one way or the other. That, that behavior that, uh, you know, that your brother had, that didn't come, out, come about overnight. Oh, no. It was a lifetime. So it's a lifetime. So then the pa- your parents, well, like your dad wrote him out of the will, but your parents know who, who they're dealing with. And most everybody does, right? And, and here's the thing, David, we are human beings. We are spiritual beings that are feeling creatures who can think. And it's interesting that as families, I feel like we, we, and this is really getting deep, we pick each other because we can push each other's buttons, right? We get a chance to learn from each other. And there is a difference of a family. The earlier you can start legacy planning, the better. Because to your point, my, my, my brother was never a good money manager. And my dad tried to address the issue as a parent instead of a leader. And so we're talking about adding in an entire different level of consciousness within the family. Had my dad hired an outsider to train my brother how to manage money, things probably would have gone a lot better because as children, we don't think our parents know anything until we're what, 35 or 40? You know, I mean, the natural progression of being a child is being totally dependent on our children to wanting total freedom. And so that's the gift of having a professional legacy planner come in. And I know I did it for myself. We hosted a half day seminar for our own children after my mom and dad passed away. And we brought in the attorney, the CPA, the wealth advisor, and a life coach. It was so funny because afterwards, my daughters are like, oh my gosh, the financial advisor said I should do this and this and this and this. And it was the exact same things that I had been telling them to do my whole life. (laughs) But they just thought that the wealth advisor was the cat's meow because it was someone other than me. We've we've talked about, you're making, based on what you've said, you made it easier for the individual who wants to share their wealth to first make sure that they take care of themselves first that because mm-hmm. it's all about them and not to feel guilty about you know spending their money because it is their money and what's left over will be you know what's left over to to the the beneficiaries how how and when do you start to feel comfortable sharing your wealth? Well, I would with the investments that you can make as a through the legacy planning, it's a little bit easier to start sharing it earlier because it's not the amount of money that you're spending that makes a difference. It's how you spend your money that makes a difference. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Lots of times families want to give maybe a down payment for a house. They're like, I want to help my kids. I want to give them a down payment for a house. I mean, I'm sure you hear that a lot, right? Well, one of the problems with that is What if you put them into a house that they can't afford? So giving financial gifts to your children that don't change their lifestyle is a really good guide of sharing wealth with your family. And I I know a lot of people will share wealth based on, I don't know about Canadian law, but in the United States, you can gift a certain amount to each child each year. And if that's one way that you share your wealth, well, the kids just end up putting that into their budget. Right. And, and it doesn't make any difference. Now it's 
now it's just become a steady stream of unearned income, right? But say, say, sorry to interrupt, but say, for example, you said, okay, you you gave the money for the down payment of the house, but it's a house they can't afford. And you know, it's not a house they can uh, afford. What do you do then? Mom, you you said you're going to help me out. This is the house that we, this is our dream house. This is our forever house. This is the house that we want. And you know full well, they can't afford it. What do you do then? Well, it's pretty easy. You just say no. Well, well, I'm not going to let you see the grandkids. I don't think it's right. This is, you know, this is going to be the house and, or they're going to use some sort of other blackmail tactics. What do you do then? Well, and so it's interesting because the things that you're talking about are emotional relationship issues that are the underlying causes over the fights behind the money. And legacy planning is the plan that addresses those issues. And so that's where bringing the family in and, and creating a bigger purpose for your money. If the only purpose that you have for your money is for yourself, it's easy to get what I call below the line of abundance. You're in a scarcity mindset. And so legacy planning allows people to get into an abundance mindset. And with an abundance mindset, that tit for tat of, I'm not going to let you see the kids because you didn't give me a down payment for the house, doesn't happen. The parents have the skills to say, I want what's best for you. And based on your income, This isn't a house that you can afford. And so let me set you up with an appointment with our financial advisor and let him share with you what you can afford now. Or if they don't like that, they say, well, I want to get a new job, but I don't have the skills. Then that parent can say, well, I tell you what, how about if I pay for this course that you can take that would improve your skills that you could afford the house on your own? different conversation. It's a different investment. And the conversations have to be willing on both sides. It, it, they do. And these things take time, David. And it's like peeling a, it's like peeling an onion, right? You feel like you've got the first layer and then there's another layer and then there's another layer. And um, that's why these investments, this investment, I believe families should invest in prevention because we talked about once that monster gets released, it is it is very difficult to heal a family relationship. It's almost, so many families are pretending that they're okay. You know, in the previous episode, we talked about the the founder who said, I don't need this. We meet for Christmas. We all get along. And yet if they were really honest with themselves, they would probably recognize that there's the child that doesn't handle their money well. There could be a, a one that is in a domestic violence Uh, situation. There could be one that is not living up to their potential. And because we don't know what to do about it, we just pretend that everything is okay. Is that because every family has issues? As a parent, you're going to look at each child or or a family member, and and you have to have your own sort of a certain way that you have to deal with them. It's always been that way since they were a child, and now they're an adult. You still see them as a child, and they're still acting in in that childlike way which would i'm not gonna say it's a things that they did wrong or the 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 flaw that they had when they were a kid they still now have as an adult and in this case now the only thing that's big now is is the money issue and i know in one of your books you talk about you saying that money is is not the issue because it's it's amoral is is that where the where the where the problem lies yeah yes i mean families ordinary families haven't had access to legacy planning because until now I considered the best kept secret hiding in plain sight you needed 50 million dollars or more 
to be able to participate in the family office industry. Ordinary families didn't have access to the tools and the information. Now we can do that, David, because of you and the podcast that you're offering and the, you know, how easy information is to access now. It's time for the family to understand we need to up-level what a family is by bringing conscious leadership, and that's where, you know, I feel like the legacy planning comes in, conscious leadership at the family level and improving our emotional intelligence, using the latest in brain science and just the latest tools to to help our families become lasting. I mean, you could call them a tribe, right? A tribe uh, that can last using this information that's now available. Does the process take a long time? You know, do we have to meet once a year, twice a year? Because I, I know you say we're planning out for a hundred years because we want a sort of a, a seamless transition of uh, wealth to go down through the generations for a hundred years. Is, is the process going to be difficult? Is it going to be hard? Does everybody have to buy in? And what if some people don't buy in? Well, I'm, I'm going to equate it to um, exercise. If you went to the gym and exercise once, would you be in shape? No. So legacy planning is the same thing. It's a process. Uh, to your question of if someone doesn't want to participate, I say start with where you're at and start with who's willing to show up. And later on, if the other people that didn't start want to participate, you know, invite them in if it's appropriate. Every family is different. For our family, uh, we've included a weekly, we call it our legacy week. We take our entire family on vacation every week at the same time so that they know when to ask off for their, your, through their jobs. It's like the second Saturday to the third Saturday every year. So they, we always know forever when the, the dates change, but the, the time period doesn't. And we have found that we had issues in our family by doing this. I mean, we're a blended family, David. We have a stepdaughter and my two daughters and they have childhood issues and those all show up on vacation. <laughs> and so it's really a great time to uncover these issues that would have shown up after we were dead and perhaps split the family apart. It's funny you brought up the point of blended families. Does legacy planning if there's no blended family, is it different for blended families when it comes to legacy planning versus a family that's been together? There's no divorces, there's no foster kids, there's not, there, is there a difference or is it, it is the same all the way through? There are certain conditions that increase the risk and being a blended family is one of them. If you own your own business, that's another, what I would consider a risk factor. Um, you know, how many people do you know that may own a family business, they may have one child working in the business, the other ones don't. The business is the major asset of the family. And there's not a discussion about how are we going to share ownership as a family in the next generation for the family business? Is Bobby going to continue to run the company? Uh, Bobby may think he owns the company because he works there. Um, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot of, of conditions that can contribute to the chaos and the, the purpose of legacy planning is to uncover them and deal with them while you're alive. In our final moments together, Cindy, I just want to get your thoughts on legacy planning. What should people do so that they can figure out, are they an avoider? Are they an acceptor? 
And what do they have to do to become an anticipator? Well, of course, the first step is if they don't have a will, they're an awarder, I mean, an avoider, they need to get an attorney and get their will and estate plan done. From there, they get to graduate from acceptor. To graduate from an acceptor to an anticipator, and um, in answer to the question of how can we share our wealth without running out of money, is to you know give yourself a few minutes and where have you been avoiding having the conversations around your own mortality? Can you meet with your wealth advisor and make sure that you have enough wealth to live your lifestyle um, to the level that you want to live it and then educate yourself and take steps to prepare yourself and your family for success. I want to thank you being here doing these two episodes. I wanted to break it into two episodes because there's so much information. There's a lot of, you know, concern that, you know, families want to do better and the pandemic has changed uh, the way they're thinking and they want to, they want to do those things to keep the family together. And so that's why I broke it up into two episodes. I want to thank you for being here and and taking the time to do this. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, the easiest way is just to go to meetcindyarledge.com. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody to see how I can help them become an anticipator. Great. Your, that link uh, meet to meet you is also going to be in the show notes, so they can also click on the link there as well. Uh, Cindy Ardledge, I'd like to thank you. Again, she's the CEO of the North Texas Family Enterprise Center. She's a, a great visionary when it comes to this, and I, I call her the grand dame of legacy planning. So uh, once again, thank you for being here on the show. I appreciate it a lot. David, thank you for having me and thank you for putting such valuable content out so that people can build a better life. Thank you. And we'll, we'll talk again uh, sometime down in the future. I look forward to it. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter.